This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. ESPNN, ladies and gentlemen, did not put Sage Steele on last night. They had an all-female anchor team, production team, which I support, but it was headlined by L. Duncan, who supports, I don't know, mutilating kids, and of course by Nicole Briscoe, who, oh, I don't know, supports tweets that disparage our good friend Sage Steele. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, we ain't having it. We ain't having it today, tomorrow, or the next day. I don't care whether you put dogs and cats on the production team or in front, but at least be loyal to your employees. It kind of has me hot, not crazy hot, not scream up and down, jump on my head and poop snowballs hot, but I'm a little hot about it because you can't put people that are disloyal to colleagues, and if you're going to have an all-female group, the number one anchor in the history, female-wise, of ESPN is Sage Steele. How is she not involved? We know how she's not involved because she's a conservative and they don't like conservatives. And L. Duncan was the one that broke into different coverages. She's leading the charge. She's lying. She's doing all those things. So she gets a, well, she's in the hierarchy at ESPN. And Nicole Briscoe, I don't know what she brings. I, I guess her husband was a race car driver, Ryan Briscoe. But hey, who cares? Not seriously, who cares? Uh, but anyway, they did it. Good for them. I don't care. Now, here's a real woman. I'm going to show you a real woman. Our friend, Allison Williams, A-dubs, A-doublicious, as we call her. Allison Williams went in front of Congress yesterday and just let them have it. She let ESPNN have it. And those of you that have paid attention to our show, you know what we do. We have A-dubs on. I was texting with A-dubs last night after I saw this, and I got to tell you, this is pretty fantastic. Let's take a look. Bravo, Allison Williams. Nights were sleepless, days consumed by doubt and worry. Thankfully, my resolve strengthened with constant prayer, faith in God, and the support of loved ones. As I, like so many others, tried to come to terms with my new reality and reconsider how to provide for my family, our own elected government officials shamed us. Anyone who didn't obediently follow orders to get in line and roll up their sleeves was portrayed as an enemy and a threat. No regard given to natural immunity, personal convictions, religious beliefs, or individual health. All valid reasons for declining this injection. If you were unvaccinated, you were part of the problem. And that's why today I hope to be part of this solution, to make sure this type of tyranny never happens again in this great country that we acknowledge the misguided directives and unnecessary harms done to countless Americans, harms caused not by the virus, but by the response. If we are truly the land of the free, the one thing that should be mandated is that we will never trample the civil liberties and bodily autonomy of our citizens again. How strong is that? How about getting up in front of Congress and going, I asked her, I said, is it daunting going up in front of them? And she said a little bit, but that's what they want you to feel. You know, you come in a room in front of all these guys, they got all their chairs, and she just let them have it. Allison Williams was fired from ESPN, where she was the best sideline reporter that ESPN had. It was widely known because while pregnant, her doctor told her not to get the vaccine. The doctor said, we don't know enough. Same thing 
my good friend's brother, well, the best orthopedic surgeon, excuse me, heart doctor in the state of Indiana, told his family, which in essence told my family, particularly for women that want to get pregnant. Allison was fired. Allison has since been hired by Fox, which has made Fox way better because of Allison's presence. Everybody's better because of Allison's presence. Well, Allison stood up in front of Congress and let them know, is anything going to happen? Who knows? You, you know this and I know this. There's so much money thrown around in this vaccine. Money talks, BS walks. And Allison Williams, though, showed what she is truly about and why I'm so proud that Allison Williams, Sage Steele, and Sam Ponder are my friends and Greg Doyle is my enemy. I'm equally as proud of Doyle being my enemy as I am of those three being my friends. Sohei Otani yesterday might have had the greatest day in the history of baseball. I don't know. It was a doubleheader. It was Detroit, and it was the Angels. Rained out the day before, so yesterday all Otani did was go on the mound in the first game and pitch a shutout, and then all he did in the second game was hit two home runs. I mean, remember this in baseball, fellas. If a guy throws 98 pitches, oh, my God, he's got to be shut down for five days, and Jeff Passan has to write a book. Oh, no, not Sohei Otani. Sohei Otani said, screw this. Give me my bat. I'm going to go out there and rake, and rake he did. Two home runs in the second game after a pitch and a shutout. Now, I got to tell you, I get asked all the time, and it's a discussion right now, should you trade Sohei Otani? My answer is no. I was just watching something on MLB Network the other day, and it talks about how they give this kid everything that he wants. They treat him with kid gloves. You cannot be treated better as a professional athlete than Sohei Otani is treated. I got to tell you, man, he delivers. I do not want, if I am the Los Angeles Angels, to ever part with him. I do want my general manager and my ownership to put uh, guys around him that understand modern baseball winning. You know, Trout, Otani, two guys in baseball, not enough. You need a little money ball action. You need some stuff. You need some guys that can get on base, some guys that can hit in the clutch, some guys that aren't afraid. You need a bullpen. And until you get a bullpen, you got no shot. But I'm not getting rid of this guy. What am I going to get for this guy? 87 prospects? I don't care. I want him. This is generational. The curse of the Bambino was real, people, when Boston traded Babe Ruth. Don't be doing the same thing. Now, I know the Angels haven't been cursed since Donnie Moore back in the 80s. You can look it up for yourself. But don't do it. Don't do it today, don't do it tomorrow, and don't do it the next day because that's a bad boy right there, and he is must-see TV. Look, I don't get it, and I'm going to give you a couple explanations for it. You ready? All right. Sean Payton went off on Nathaniel Hackett, who is now with the Jets, and the Denver Broncos, which is the team Nathaniel Hackett was the head coach of for only one year last year. And now Sean Payton is the coach of the Denver Broncos. Now, it's almost like college basketball. When a guy comes in, I'm going to say this slowly, when a guy comes into college basketball, his way is way better than the previous coaches. Well, you know, they used to do this. Well, you know. Our culture is going to be better. Our culture is unique. Our culture is something that the previous staff couldn't replicate. You do that in college basketball. I remember when I became the head coach at Bowling Green. I took over for now the great Jim Laranega. He wasn't considered great then. And I'm like, hey, man, Laranega did a hell of a job. I I even said in the press conference, I'm going to be the first college basketball coach to talk great things about the previous coach. I am. All right. 
fine. I did. Well, Sean Payton did not. Everything I heard about last year were doing the opposite. Whoa. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. All right. Let me tell you what Mike Lombardi said. Mike Lombardi, who knows the NFL as well, if not better than any, said that, hey, look, hold on. Sean Payton is trying to take the pressure off of Russell Wilson, his quarterback, coming off a historically bad year. But let me explain something to you. Russell Wilson's like 35 years old. He's won a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson, if he needs a coach to come in at this stage of his career and make a dummy of himself and to take pressure off of him, then Russell Wilson ain't going to win for you anyway. Russell Wilson's going to win, not by a coach taking pressure off, by going to work, realizing what happened last year cannot happen again, and fixing what happened last year so that it does not happen again. That's what Russell Wilson needs. He doesn't need a coach going out there acting a fool. Nobody needs a coach going out there acting a fool when you're 35 years old. Like, look, if you're a rookie player and you're coming in and you don't want the fans all over you, you want them all over you as the coach, then cool. Hey, no problem. Do whatever you got to do. Like back in the day, you know, I always have a back in the day story. Bob Knight would do things at a press conference, not because he was trying to take the pressure off of players, but because it, it amused him to quote Charlie Sheen in two and a half minutes. Why do you do that? It amuses me. So that's, I get it. People can say that. And now I have a hard time disagreeing with Mike Lombardi because Mike Lombardi came on this show last year and told me that Yannick Ngakwe, who was picked up by the Colts, stinks and runs past the pass rusher. And he was right. Ngakwe out of town after one year and can't find another job. I'm just saying. So I have a hard time disagreeing with uh, Mike Lombardi when it comes to all things football. But I disagree with this. As a coach, you sometimes just do things because, well, it amuses me. Hey, Joe Burrow, uh, he of Cool Joe, he of Cigar Smoking Joe, he of taking Cincinnati to the Super Bowl, looks like he's got a hammy. See, my dad used to tell me this. If you pulled a hammy or you turned an ankle, it meant you were out of shape. Now, I don't know. My dad obviously uh, grew up and he played in the 50s and the 60s. I guess more the 50s. And that's what they were told. Look, if you twist an ankle, you're out of shape. Oh, all right. If you pull a hammy, you're out of shape. I want to go back to something that I forgot, and I'm sorry I did. Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York football Jets, who are part of Hard Knocks, who have Aaron Rodgers, hired Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett was Rodgers' offensive coordinator at Green Bay. So now Nathaniel Hackett comes to the Jets, and Robert Sala has to answer because Sean Payton loses his mind. Here's a little bit on Sala, from Sala. Um, well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. Is he, you know, he's been in the league a while. He can say whatever the hell he wants. But... Uh... But as far as, you know, what we have going on here, it's, um, you know, the, I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away, you know, it's uh, obviously we're doing something right. If you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four and I'm good with it, you know, but, uh, you know, the guys in our locker room, they, they've earned everything that's coming to them. Um, um, and really excited about what's going on. I think Hackett's doing a phenomenal job here. Him, the uh, coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job, and, and we're focused on us. I get it. There's a lot of external noise, 
There's a lot of people who are hating on us. There's a lot of people looking for us to fail. There's a lot of crows pecking at our neck. Uh, but all you can do is spread your wings, keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe. It's a whole other analogy I'll get into later. But, uh, but really, really, really excited about the group we have, the coaching that's going on. And, uh, um, but I'm going to keep our focus on us and making sure that we're prepared every single day to do the best we can and uh, learn from our past and grow with, grow with every, every moment that we have. I couldn't listen to that. I'm sorry. I couldn't listen to that if I were a player. I could listen to, if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping, and we must be popping. Maybe I could listen to that. But all that other crap, crows off your neck and suffer. Hey, how about just saying, I don't give a rat's ass, and if he comes around me, I'm going to knock him out. That's what I said about a school board uh, in southern Indiana. They deserve to have their ass knocked out. They did. You don't fire a coach and his wife during a pandemic with three kids. Hey, look, if I'm Robert Sala, hey, you know what? Sean Payne kissed my ass. If he comes around, it will knock his ass out. I'm not talking about crows pecking and whatever. What are we doing? Are you insane? (laughs) Oh, man, I swear to God, I'm so glad that I played for Coach Knight and I had the father that I had because I couldn't listen to all that crap. Like, I, I just can't. I, it's impossible. Could you seriously imagine a team meeting when you got all that? You'd be like, I don't, crows, what are we, are we pecking? I lost Frank Reich talking about climbing a mountain. I'm like, oh, we got mountains, oh, we're scaling. I don't know what the hell we're doing. I'm just not built for it. Maybe you are. Hey, Saquon Barkley said, hey, look, I changed my mind. Don't at me. I changed my mind. What's the problem here? Saquon Barkley, after saying very smugly on a podcast, well, you know, They might have to find out how valuable I am. They might have to find out that I'm something. That's right. I'm something. Oh, okay. Well, I had an epiphany, no? The reality of it is, one, just kind of following my heart. Obviously, I've heard a lot of what people are saying in the news and on social media, but I kind of just followed my heart. And then you got to look at it at a business point. I felt like it was the best thing I could do. I really like Saquon Barkley. Ever since I saw him interviewed after the Iowa-Penn State game a few years ago, I really, really liked Saquon Barkley. I did. But I didn't like when he went out there and he was talking about, well, they may have to learn what my value is. I think they did. I think they did. I think they learned what the value is, and I think he learned what his value is. And don't give me this garbage about underpaying. There is no underpaying. I don't want to hear underpaying. We're not underpaying anybody. You're paying market value. Now, let's be very clear. See, the agent for Jonathan Taylor, our beloved Colt, is still chatting. He's still out here. He's still going at people. He's still coming back with somebody asked him on Twitter. Hopefully, hopefully the Jonathan Taylor, Jimmy Ursay conflict here can be resolved. And Jonathan's Taylor agent put that emoji and said, I doubt it. Fine. You want to do that in, on Twitter as children? Fine. But the bottom line comes to this. The bottom line comes, do you want to play for fair market value? And if you do, here it is. If you don't, you have your options. But son, remember the name Wally Pip. I'll let you all look up who Wally Pipp is. Now I'll tell you. Wally Pipp, first baseman for the New York uh, Baseball Yankees. 
A young kid named Lou Gehrig was behind him. Wally Pipp was sick. Gehrig came in, bunch of hits, couple home runs. Gehrig didn't come out of lineup again for 15 years, not one time. It's legendary in sports. Don't get Wally pipped, period. Uh, We love, we love, we don't like, we love Representative Nancy Mace. Do you know who Nancy Mace is? She's the most versatile person in our government. Nancy Mace or Macy, I don't even care. She's my new hero. Let me show you what she did a couple days ago, and then let me show you what she did yesterday. So a couple days ago, she's the one asking questions about UFOs. Here it is. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, Were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. All right. Pretty serious discussion. I mean, we're talking about UFOs. We're talking about non-humans that have been discovered. And Nancy Mace is leading the charge. That was two days ago. Yesterday, Nancy Mace is leading a different kind of charge. Let's hear from our new favorite politician. On this together, another year, another standing room only event. And when I woke up this morning at 7, I, I was getting picked up at 7.45. Patrick, my fiancé, tried to pull me by my waist over this morning in bed. And I was like, no, baby, we don't got time for that this morning. Uh, I got to get to the prayer breakfast. And I got to be on time. And a little TMI. But um, I, he'll, he can wait. He's got, we got, I'll see him later tonight. Um, but I was here early. I love Nancy Nancy Mace. Can we get her on the show? Uh, can we please get her on the show? I love her, unabashed, because she went from, think about it. I know you love her, Gritty Jen. That's a woman right there. She went from talking about UFOs in a Senate committee to going to Tim Scott's prayer breakfast and talking about the fact that she got up with her fiancé and declined the sex at 7 in the morning. That's a woman, damn it. That's right. If a dude did that, people would be like, oh, man, he's pretty cool, right? Oh, man, he's pretty funny. Oh, man, he's a guy. A woman does it. I'm the same way. That's awesome. I love it. I don't like it. I love it. She's like, yeah, you know, he tried to pull me back, but I'm like, honey, baby, we got time later on today for it. I got to go to a prayer breakfast. Now, was it the most appropriate time to tell that story? Who knows? Who cares? Look, we have a stick firmly up our backside and we got to lose it. We got to pull it out, hear the popping sound and throw it away. Nancy Mace is awesome. Prayer breakfast greater than morning action. Hey, I ain't mad at her. You know, why would you be mad? I don't know. It seems to me that I, I don't, you know, you, and I don't blame the husband. Seriously, or the fiance. Nancy May seems like a really fun woman, a smart woman. I guarantee you that old boy is trying really hard on a daily basis. Damn right. 
Damn right. She is. See, Jen knows. Nancy Mace is awesome. And we ain't mad about Nancy Mace. Nancy Mace, we're dying to have you on the show. Nancy Mace, we love you long time. Long time. Uh, PJ Fleck. All right, here's the deal. Get out of here with these players going after P.J. Fleck. I don't even like P.J. Fleck, but P.J. Fleck yesterday, he fired back at the allegations. He said, look, these are baseless. What are you doing? Like, what are you bothering me with these for? And he's right. You have 100 players on a football team, and you do it for seven years. You're going to have some clowns that are mad. You're going to have some dudes that are like, hey, the coach was a meanie. The coach didn't treat me right. The coach did this. We got a cult here. He wants us to be good people. And he put it in a book. Really? Okay. What's wrong with that? I don't know. It's amazing to me. In any business, I was thinking about this and we were having, I played golf yesterday with two really smart business dudes. And we were having a beer after and they watch our show. They got their ass beat by me yesterday. Uh, my man Phil Sack, but his horse did win at Saratoga, so that's a different story. But we're sitting there, and I'm like, hey, look, is it the same in business? Like, in football or basketball, once something gets opened up, and that's exactly what happened, exactly what happened with Northwestern. Northwestern football opened it up for some ridiculous claim against a great man, the Northwestern volleyball coach. Northwestern has now opened it up for a claim against P.J. Fleck. Oh, man, we have a call. Oh, man, he made us read a book. Oh, man, we had to do good stuff, and it was equity against the bad stuff we did. Oh, man. All right. Okay. All right. I don't like P.J. Fleck. Like, I don't dislike him. I just think he's kind of, I don't know, into himself which aren't we all, but I'm all in on P.J. Flecker. Those players can kiss my backside. The girl that's suing the volleyball coach at Northwestern put a smooch on my rear end. He made us do suicides, and we had to dive on every line. Hey, look, to the coach's credit at Northwestern Volleyball, he said, yeah, okay, if it was too excessive, I'll take my punishment, and he did. The only perfect person, people in this world are fans of the other team and the media. That's it. Everybody else, that's all. We all have to live up to the raunchy, ridiculous standards of them. I've got Shane Beamer coming on. I'm going to talk to Shane, the head coach of South Carolina, about a number of issues, including NIL. What has the Northwestern deal uh, done to other coaches? Has it opened eyes? Has it made you investigate your own program? Most coaches are going to say no I literally know what my program is about. But do you really? I did with 13 players. It's a lot different in basketball. It's a lot different. I mean, it is totally different. But I will say this. After a kid got in trouble, years after, I had players tell me, yeah, well, my man did this, that, this, 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 and this. Oh, really? I didn't know his daily actions but I did know the culture that we have. So I say this. I say next time you see a college team with a few players bitching, whining, and moaning, you take Danny D's advice. Bah! Now, if you see a Northwestern deal and you read and there's some sick, naked, ridiculous stuff in it, you go, hey, I want to hear more about this. I need to hear a little more about this. Give me some more about this. But two players complaining, 
Get out of my face with that nonsense. Hey, Jeremy Pruitt. Remember Jeremy Pruitt? Jeremy Pruitt was all the rage. Jeremy Pruitt worked for Nick Saban. Jeremy Pruitt became the head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. Jeremy Pruitt and his wife apparently decided to put cash in fast food bags. That's a no-no. It's a no-no. I know there's no rules against cheating, but there are. There are. You can, back in the day around COVID, you cannot put cash in bags. Now you put cash wherever you want. You can strap cash to a stripper, bring them into your building, and have the have the I don't know, the player peel dollar bills off the stripper. You can do whatever you want in college sports, but you can't do what Jeremy Pruitt did. So long story short, wins are gone, probation hit, all that stuff. Jeremy Pruitt's found the job. He is teaching P.E. at an Alabama high school. See, this is a mistake by Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt has made a lot of mistakes, but what Jeremy Pruitt needed to do, because I'm sure he's got a ton of scratch, Jeremy Pruitt and his wife needed to never apologize, never lower themselves, say, hey, look, man, we're trying to win. I'll give a damn. And get back in the coach. There is no rehab. There isn't. I'm sorry. There's no rehab. You just look stupid and shit. Never apologize. Don't ever apologize. Well, I'm really sorry. Uh, No, hey, look, wait a second here. This is what Norm Ellenberger did a thousand years ago when he was the biggest cheater in college basketball in New Mexico. He got up in front of the judge and he said, Judge, I'm just doing what everybody in this community wants me to do. And they want to win, and I'm trying to bring them the best team we possibly can to win. And if the worst thing I've ever done is give a poor kid money that doesn't have money, then I'll stand in front of St. Peter and take my chances of getting through those pearly gates. That's how you handle being a cheat. You don't go become a national joke. You don't come become a guy, well, you know, he's teaching P.E. Hell no. Hey, look, you hold a press conference. Yeah, I cheated my ass off. But you tell me, Vols fans, I know we didn't win, but I was going to do everything I could. And if giving a bag full of cash to a kid that doesn't have any money is the worst thing I've done, kiss my backside. I'll be in heaven, and you guys will sit there with your phony-ass sanctimony and watch me go in. That's what I would do. That's how I would handle it. I don't know how else you handle it. Because we all know two things. One, never explain and never complain, ladies and gentlemen. This we know. We know this like it's our job. And I know all of you on the YouTube chat, I know all of you know this too. And don't act like you don't. All of you watching on Twitter, you know this too. And don't act like you don't. You don't get up there and say, well, you know, I'm really sorry. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. People asked me when I was an interim head coach at Indiana, we went three and four because I made a bunch of drug users not do drugs and I made a bunch of miscreants go to class. They got mad, whatever. But we also lost because a dude, Eric Gordon, who's made hundreds of millions of dollars in the NBA, went seven for 51 from three. And people are asking me, they go, you guys got beat. You took over a good team. You got beat. Your fault. I go, yeah, it might be. But why? I didn't go seven for 51. Now, I should have said, hey, look, you're done after being like seven for 40. But, hey, what are you going to do? Best player, best shots, missed, we lose. I can't help you. We lost that two last second thing. But I'm not going to sit there and go, yeah, well, you know, I really tried hard and blah, 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 blah. Oh, hell no. Hey, man, I didn't go seven for 51. You guys are telling me this is an All-American. You guys are telling me this is one of the great players of all time. I didn't really? Okay. Well, if that's true, let's see it. You know what I'm saying? Never complain and never explain. Just 
saying. When the bear comes for you, you spit in his eye. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'll tell you what you do when a bear comes for you. You push your friend out of the way, push him towards the bear, and run like hell. That's what I do. I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, Our guy, our main man, Jim Harbaugh, he ain't mad. He ain't mad. He's like, hey, I didn't cheat. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not allowed to talk about any aspect of an ongoing situation. I'm with you. I'd love to lay it out there. Nothing to be ashamed of. Good for him. That's what I'm talking about. Perfect segue. I don't know what the hell y'all are talking about. Hey, look, I came to Michigan. We didn't win. You took half my salary. Now you think I'm going to do? You think I'm not going to get guys to come here? You think I'm not going to do my best? I'll take a little bit of whatever this is to have a team going to the college football playoff two years in a row, to have a team that wins the Big Ten two years in a row. I'll take all your crap to beat Ohio State. What's worse? Standing up there in your little jacket and facing allegations from slaps like me or losing Ohio State. Now, I'm not saying the cheating made him beat Ohio State. I don't know. No clue. He knows, yes or no. But I am saying, you don't sit there and apologize. You sit there and you go, hey, man, I don't know what to tell you. Beats the crap out of getting my salary cut. Beats the crap out of me being on the hot seat. Beats the crap out of I can't go to the grocery store because people are on my ass because I couldn't beat Ohio State. Now I beat them twice in a row. You're saying I cheated? Good for you. I ain't ashamed. Shane Beamer is going to join us next. I got a couple questions. You know, there is that Tommy Tuberville mansion bill on NIL to straighten it out. We'll get his take on that. Also, what's the Northwestern scandal? And it is a scandal in football. What's the Northwestern scandal done to his program? Has it made him take a cleaner look? The US, USC. It is USC. Southern, uh, Southern Cal. South Carolina coach joins me next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It goes down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, Urban Meyer isn't coaching anymore, so my favorite coach in college football, Shane Beamer, joins me next. I've never met Shane, but I talked to him three or four times here. He sent me nice texts or uh, DMs, so he's my favorite coach. I'm easy, coach. All you got to do is say, hey, Dan, and you're my favorite. There you go. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm honored to hear that, coach, so that just made my day. No matter what happens the rest of the day, <laughs> that's the day. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hey, I got to ask you, um, the Northwestern deal, Pat Fitzgerald, the hazing, 
Has it made coaches, yourself, others that you've talked to, has it made them triple, quadruple check what's going on in their program relative to hazing? Yeah, I think it's a great reminder for sure. Um, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm the head football coach, and everything that happens in this program, I'm responsible for. And uh, you know, it starts in the hiring process, the people you're bringing into your program, and and uh, you need to know everything that's going on. So I want to be a coach. I am a coach. I don't just sit in my office all day and not be out and about in the building. You know, I'm in the locker room and I'm around. And But certainly that'll be something that maybe we touch on a little bit more when we start preseason camp uh, next week. We'll touch on it a little bit more than maybe what we have in previous years. And we did in previous years. We've just got to be even more uh, more diligent about it. Yeah, you know, in college basketball, the saying is always, hey, if they fired Bobby Knight at Indiana, they'll fire your ass too. So, you know, so I, I, now I look at it, and if I were a coach, man, I, 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 I don't know if I'd have a hall monitor in there, but I'd make damn sure nothing went down that didn't need to go down. Maybe you've already done that. I'm sure most have. No, we have. I mean, we try and be active in the locker room and, and just popping our head in there, you know, throughout the day, whether it be myself, assistant coaches, staff members. But, you know, this coach, it's not just it's not just in this facility. It's it's in the dorm room and 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 being visible in the dorm and everywhere these guys are. I mean, we only get them in college athletics for four hours a day. That's all we have. So there's 20 hours a day that they're, you know, outside our facility if they want to be. So there's uh, they're 18, 19, 20-year-old men, and we got to do a great job of educating them. And that starts with me and starts right here in our football facility. Coach, what's your reaction? You know, Lane Kiffin, you know, basically said, hey, look, the NIL is trashing our sport. Transfer portal is as well. But, hey, I got to participate in it. It seemed like somewhat of a realistic view. Yeah, no, I saw what he said, and, and I totally understand where – where he's coming from. I mean, I thought the analogy that he gave uh, comparing it to, you know, Tom Brady and LeBron James, if they were a free agent every single year, I mean, he's spot on. And uh, that's essentially what it is. And again, I mean, I want to support our players from a name, image, and likeness standpoint. And if a guy's unhappy in a program, certainly I want him to have the opportunity if he needs to, if he feels like another program is a better opportunity or situation for him to be able to uh, explore that. But there's also a lot of things that, that need to be better uh, about NIL and the transfer portal, not just for the coaches. This isn't me on a soapbox, you know, saying that we we need to make it better for us, for the players as well, short-term and long-term, and let's get something in here that's sustainable for, for everybody. Manchin and Tommy Tuberville, obviously Coach Tuberville, you know, very successful college coach. They're putting legislation. The one thing that I've always said, and maybe you can tell me that I'm crazy here, but Manchin and, and Tuberville, part of what they said in their bill is what I've been saying for years. At some point, yes, you got to take care of the players. There's no question about it. Nobody's saying you don't. But at some point, you got to protect the game. And at some point, you got to protect the institution. At some point, those two things have to be protected. And I think that's interesting that Manchin and Tuberville put that in whatever legislation they're proposing. Yeah, there's no question. You want to protect both, and and like I said, you want to make it both good for or beneficial and solid for for everyone. And you know, I'm I'm under contract here at the University of South Carolina. If I left to go coach football at you know Bowling Green or Indiana, I would owe the University of South Carolina money to leave and things like that. And and uh, you know, I'm not saying that our players need buyouts to leave. I'm not saying that, but certainly we want to protect both sides and and. Uh, 
confident and fortunate that you know everyone will come together in order to to be able to do that. We had great meetings uh, up in Washington D.C. back in June. I was up there on Capitol Hill with Don Staley, our women's basketball coach, and. Ray Tanner, our athletic director, and we went up there and we were meeting with all of our, you know, congressmen, senators uh, about NIL. And it wasn't just coaches and administrators. We had some student athletes from some schools that were up there as well, just trying to educate and, and get something that's great for, for everyone going forward. And I'm so proud of our players because there's so many of them that have uh, been able to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, and they're being able to they're able to do great things. Uh, with it. I heard one of our young men yesterday, I think he was on OutKick, and he was talking about he took some money that he had earned from an NIL deal and he was able to buy his parents a, a 30 or 40th wedding anniversary gift, you know, things like that. So want to be able to support our players, but certainly uh, want to get something that's sustainable and good for, you know, for everyone going forward. Coach, first off, I begged Indiana to hire Urban Meyer when he was at Bowling Green and they pretty much laughed at me. But I, now they'll listen to me. So if you want the Indiana job, I swear to God, I could make that happen for you. I, I, I mean, not this year, but you know, in the hey. future. I just want to throw that out there. You know, I just, I'm, just say. I, I wouldn't handle that colder weather. I don't think very too all, all too well. <laughs> I do want to get back to something. You did go to Capitol Hill, um, and you did speak. Do you think Congress? Do you think the government? Uh, should be involved in this. Are you encouraged or discouraged that Manchin and Tuberville are doing stuff to get the government involved in this? Do you think it's necessary? I'm encouraged. Um, I was up there in January as well, and I had some meetings with you know some of our uh, representatives here from the state of South Carolina. I met with them in January. I get to know you session, but also a little bit of an NIL education ses session. Um, I'm more encouraged after those June meetings that myself and Coach Staley and Coach Tanner had uh, uh, up there, had some really beneficial meetings. And I think the reason, you know, I hear that people say, well, y'all need to be able to figure this out on your own and it should be Congress shouldn't be having to solve y'all's problems. I get where people are coming from, but the issue is you've got separate state laws in every state that are different. And within our own conference, what we have here in the SEC there's different states uh, of SC, that SEC schools are in who are playing by different NIL rules and more power to them. They're doing what's great for their in-state schools. Great. But the problem is it's a it's it's something that we're not all on the same level. We're not all on the same playing field. And we're just trying to find something that is universal. And uh, right now, Congress is the one that can help solve that because you do have different state laws that different states and different schools are playing by. It is pretty amazing. Can I, and maybe this is an unfair question, but your dad, longtime coach, uh, what, 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 what is his perspective on this? <laughs> um, his perspective think, is you, <laughs> we'll be on vacation somewhere in the summertime and he'll, he'll, he'll hear me on the phone and talking about whatever it might be. And he'll just kind of look at me, smile and shake his head and gives me that look like <laughs> I'm retired. Um, type thing, but he was a uh, you know certainly somebody that was always for the players and, and very old school in his thinking, but willing to change with the times. And you know, I think he understands that it's obviously it's a different game, college athletics, than what it was. Uh, I think 2015 was his last season, so eight years ago when he coached, it's changed a lot. And he wants to do what's best for the players, but he also knows that you know the role of a head coach is 
has changed a lot since his last season at Virginia Tech. And, and uh, there's some great parts of the job. But there's also things that I'm navigating and dealing with now that he never had to navigate as a football coach in his 30-plus <laughs> years as a head coach. Hey, let's talk a little football. I swear to God, um, Shane Rattler was playing – when I was in college in 1985, I, I swear I watched him play on TV. Uh, you know, when I came home from the IU Ohio State football game, I know I saw him. He's been there, I think, that long. What are expectations for him? He's one of my favorite players because you you're my favorite coach, and you know, consequently, you're my favorite team. Uh, what are expectations for him this year from from not only you but everybody around the country? Can you feel it? Yeah, absolutely. And I and again, appreciate you saying that. You may say that's like your Indiana colors you have on. I think it's your Gamecock garnet that you have on today. It is. Um, now, there's high, there's high expectations. Uh, the way that he finished the season last year, you know, leading us to two huge regular season wins over Tennessee and then at Clemson the following week. And then he played really well in the bowl game uh, against Notre Dame as well. So he um, – I know he's excited to continue to build on what he did last season, had an opportunity to go to the NFL, but decided to come back because in his mind, he had unfinished business as a player, but then also us as a team. He's been awesome uh, ever since uh, he came back in January for uh, for the spring semester. Just his leadership, the way that he's improved as a quarterback. So I'm excited to, excited to see him. You know this coach at any level, high school, college, NFL, you better have a quarterback it's, or it's going to be hard. And I don't care how talented you are around him. And, and we've uh, we're, we're, we've certainly got us a, a really good quarterback and excited to see him continue to progress this season. What, what last thing before I let you go, um, I, had, I, I, I said when I was having you on and people wanted me to ask you this question, so I'm going to ask you, you go to war every weekend once the SEC starts. I mean, every single weekend, two questions. One, how important is depth? You know, by the fourth week, third week, how important is is depth? And two, do you still like, I don't know, you seem to me to be a guy that's a fan as well as a coach. Do you still like look around and go, damn, I know this is LSU, but damn, this is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Every every Saturday. um, Every (laughs) Saturday. Uh, so one, the depth part of it, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a physical league. Um, there's no – I've been in other conferences where maybe you can look at that schedule and you see who you're playing in conference. And not that it was easy, but you know it's going to be a little bit of a – all right, going to be a little bit less challenging maybe this week. And uh, yeah. you don't have that in this conference. I mean, every single Saturday is a is a war. So you better have depth. Um, and my, I went into my first season, Coach. You can have 85 players on scholarship uh, in college football at this level. And we went into my first season, I think we had 79 on scholarship because I was taking over a new program. There's regulations on how many guys I could sign, all that stuff. Uh, and it was a it was a challenge throughout the year just because you're playing with a you're playing shorthanded from a depth standpoint. But yes, when you talk about injuries, the wear and tear of this league. Guys playing offense, defense, and special teams. The best teams, they they have depth. I mean, you can't play the same players every game. And that's the other thing. Because of the tempo that you face in college football, offenses are running more plays now. So you can't leave your offense or defense out there for 100 plays. I mean, you got to be able to roll guys in. You you better have the depth in order to do that. And and absolutely, like, 
gratitude is a core value of our program coach. And every Saturday, I absolutely have gratitude about being a being a part of this conference. I was at Indiana 17 years, and they asked, how did it get old? They go, no, every game I would look up here and go, this is so freaking cool, right? I mean, it just never gets old. doesn't get old. Never, never. Uh, blessed to be a part of this conference, and every single Saturday I, I look around and, and uh, have great gratitude about being a part of this conference. Thanks, Coach. Have a great, great season. Thank you. Appreciate it. Come see us, Coach. I'm gonna. I am. I'm gonna go. I'm going to a Gamecocks game. I am. I have to. I do. I, I. I just think the guy's great. I think he's a normal human being, and the SEC can wear you out. The SEC can make you put back things you never stole. It just can. And hey. Mel Tucker. All right, let's talk about Mel Tucker. So Mel Tucker goes to Michigan. He was a coach at Colorado. It didn't go great for him. It went okay. He got out ahead of the posse. Next thing you know, that Durrell, Carl Durrell comes in. Colorado stinks. Next thing you know, and I cannot wait for this. Next thing you know, Deion Sanders is the coach. And we've heard from Brent Venables. We've heard from Narduzzi. We've heard guys criticize Deion Sanders. What has two thumbs and ain't criticizing Deion Sanders? This guy. Why? Because I think Deion Sanders is awesome. Now, who else does? Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, who coached at Colorado, thinks that Deion Sanders is going to be wildly successful. We all know that Colorado moved into the Big 12. We all know that this is going to be a difficult move. We all know that he replaced 70 guys on his roster. We all know that if you look through history, Legendary coaches struggle early. When I was a coach at Bowling Green, my first year was garbage. I had a great assistant coach named Keith Knopps who kept telling me, look it up. They struggle early. Third year, we won the league. First time in Bowling Green since 1983. We won it in 2000. But Mel Tucker is absolutely right. Midnight Mel compliments. He said he is going to do great things at Colorado. And I got to tell you, I totally Totally agree. Totally agree. Like, I'm telling you, you can complain. You can not like the coolness. Will you call it cockiness, the cowboy? You can dislike everything. But you know what? People have been disliking Deion Sanders for that stuff forever. Ever and ever and ever. And all he does is speak truths. All he does is succeed. All he does is dominate. Hey, I didn't pay attention to Dion when he was on a set of an NFL network or of ESPN. I really didn't. I, I don't know. I don't watch the pregame show, but I paid attention to his career for crying out loud. He's a little bit younger than me. And when he was playing, I was watching, period. When he was playing baseball, I was watching, period. One of, if not the greatest athletes of our generation is that man right there. And if you think he's going to Colorado to fail – you, my friends, are completely and totally out of your ever-loving freaking mind. You're out of your mind. So Naheem Hines is sitting there. He's on a lake. I'm looking at a lake, and the water's rough today because we got a storm of brewing. Hey, look, he's on a lake. He's sitting there. He's minding his own business. He's on a jet ski. Some dude comes crashing into him. Some dude, boom, comes crashing into him. Next thing you know, season-ending knee injury. 
He reworked his – he's a great dude. Now, I have had a chance to talk to Naheem Hines, and I will stand up and say he is a great dude. All right, I'm going to make sure I have this right. He worked reworked his contract in the offseason, two-year, $9 million. He was scheduled to make $2.56 million this season, but the injury, which requires surgery, because it was off the field, recreational, the contract is voided. He has received $600,000 of his $1 million signing bonus, but the Bills have proposed withholding the remaining $400,000 along with a $100,000 workout bonus. How about that? The dispute is how much the Bills should still pay Hines and whether Hines owes the team any payback on that bonus. They're open to paying Hines the practice squad minimum of 289 instead of the 500 he would have received with his full signing bonus. They can keep that money or seek $1.5 million signing bonus allotment from blah, 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 blah. Man, I really like this dude. I mean, he's the guy that, remember when DeMar Hamlin went out, opening kick, next game, boom, touchdown, him, kickoff return, glorious. I'm a big fan of Naheem Hines, mostly because he's a really good dude, and the Colts just had absolutely no idea out of the most moronic of coaches, Frank Wright, how to handle him. You know what I mean? Yeah. The mother of an EMT stabbed in an ambulance rips New York City. Right. How is your reform working, she's saying. So a dude is an EMT. He's an EMT. He shows up to do what EMTs do, right? What do EMTs do? Well, he saves lives. He saves lives. And guess what? While he's saving lives, uh, he gets stabbed. There's your reform. There's your, hey, man. Let's make sure that criminals are taken care of. How is your bail reform working? Julia Fadham says, hey, oh, I'm sorry. Julia Fadham got wheeled out after she was stabbed in her ambulance while treating an emotionally disturbed man who had not one, not two, not three, not four, five, six, seven, or eight, but nine, count them, nine previous arrests. They cheered this woman as she left the hospital. The victim's mother, Kara Fadham Grant, said this on Facebook, that the EMT worker still has a long road to recovery. $42,000 has been raised on a gun or on a GoFundMe. But she said, fact, Rudy Garcia, 48 of Bronx, had eight prior arrests, including criminal possession of a weapon, assault menacing with a weapon, drugs, burglary, assault on a police officer. He has been released back into civilization eight times. New York has failed its people. How's that bail reform working? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. You are so right. He has knives. This dude had knives in his pocket. I mean, this is absolute crap. Here's what you do with criminals. You put their ass in jail. Shouldn't take nine times to put somebody in jail. You got a gun, you're doing something. Get him in jail. You don't leave them, just come out. Hey, well, go ahead. We got no bail, no bail reform. Uh, we're just going to do what the hell we want because we want to pander to a group because we want re-election. Really? Huh. That seems idiotic. I got a very simple solution. 
You commit a crime, you go to jail. Well, you know, uh, we got to get them help. Yeah, well, great. Get them help in jail. Reform the jails. Get them mental help in jail. Put an ass in jail. Get them away from society. Do something other than let somebody, somebody that's going to say, well, you know, he's only been out eight times. How dumb is that? I'm telling you, I don't know. You tell me, but the dumbest human being alive, I think, is Eric Adams, the mayor of New York. And why is he the dumbest human being alive? Because he's dangerously dumb. He's dangerous. He's so stupid and so pandering that he's dangerous. He is. Uh, Fred Couples, apparently this is a big deal. Apparently in the world of golf, who's Zach Johnson, who, by the way, blocked me on Twitter and then came on my radio show and was spectacular because, well, that's how I roll. But the truth of the matter is, Freddie Couples, apparently assistant captain of the Ryder Cup, I'll say Max Homa going to be in Italy. Cam Young will be in Italy. Jordan Speed, he'll be in Italy. There you go. That's three locks. Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepra, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay. They're all expected to be as automatic qualifiers, it seems like. I guess the only automatic qualifier is Scotty Scheffler. These others have to work for it. But if you're telling me that guys that win the British, or excuse me, the Open, and guys that win the other Open aren't going to make it, you are out of your mind. Christian, M-A-H-O-G-N-Y. Mahogany is my new hero. Christian Mahogany plays football at Boston College. Christian Mahogany said, hey, look, I'm no rental. I ain't doing it. Stop it, stupid. It's not who I am. Christian Mahogany said, no amount of money could take away from a place that's believed in me. I'm going to finish here. And that was my end goal. Yeah. All these other slaps are transferred for 20 bucks. All these little girls are taking their clothes off and making millions, which is fine with me. I'm all, I'm all in on it. Lee told you that was going to happen. But this guy right here, this guy right here is my new hero. Speaking of heroes, and I wanted to end this hour on this. Listen to this story. Paula Scanlon went in front of Congress. Paula Scanlon is one of the women, along with Riley Gaines, that are fighting transgender athletes being in their spaces. But Paula Scanlon has a little different story. Paula Scandard recounted surviving sexual assault and recounted having to, oh, share now a space with a naked man in a woman's locker room. This whole thing is so idiotic, I cannot even begin to tell you how idiotic this is. Let's go to Riley Gaines on Twitter. This is representative of a greater issue, the destruction of free speech. Today, any discussion maintaining the sanctity of women's faces is labeled transphobic, bigoted, and hateful. What's bigoted and hateful is the discrimination against women and the efforts to erase women and our equal opportunities, dignity, and safe spaces. One might ask, why do I speak so passionately about issues that seem hypothetical or some may perceive as only impacting a small number of women. This is not hypothetical. This is real. I know women who have lost roster spots and spots on the podium. I know of women with sexual trauma who are adversely impacted by having biological males in their locker room without their consent. 
I know this because I am one of these women. I was sexually assaulted on June 3rd of 2016. I was only 16 years old. I was able to forgive my attacker, but violence against women still exists. Let us not forget the viral Me Too movement that empowered female victims to speak. It's a strong woman, man. It's a strong woman, and I'm down with it. It's just disgusting that we even have to have this conversation. It really, really, really is disgusting. And, you know, frankly, I can't even believe that an adult male... Now, one of the congressmen jumped up and said, well, this is an insult against transgender. This is hate. No, it's not. It's protecting women. My God. It's just, it's exhausting. Sam Ponder had thoughts. Let's see Sam's tweet. I think Sam had a tweet about this. This guy... Leah Thomas is sitting there so smug, joining Antifa. But you know what? Here we are. Paul, you are so brave. Your voice is so important. You're damn right it is. There's nothing more important for women going on in sports. Now, I get it. There's a lot of important things in this world, but I'm talking about in sports and what's going on in women's spaces. You got to get up there in front of Congress, and you got to tell your story. Nobody wants to talk about the deepest, darkest secrets of their life in front of Congress and have some fat-ass white guy basically tell you, yeah, this is crap. We're only doing this because we are trying to persecute transgender children. That's total crap. Get a transgender league, put them in a transgender bathroom, and let's go. Let women be women. Man, you know who the biggest, the absolute biggest people relative to censorship are? You know who's leading the way, driving the bus on censorship? No, it's not me because I want free speech. No. You know who it is? I'll tell you exactly who it is. It's the freaking media. It's your print media. It's MSNBC. When we come back, I got to talk to my friend Catherine Ham. I must speak with her because she has a hell of an article that says exactly that. Mary Catherine Ham has an article that basically journalists are now the champions of censorship in America. I experienced it myself. Be right back. Mary Catherine Ham, MK Hammer on Twitter if you're looking. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION. Alan Frenta Williams slips through, here's a shot, it's in! This is a game changer for sports. Sabina takes a shot herself! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. You know, I did not have this on the docket, but I'm strolling through our friend Mary Catherine Ham's Twitter, and she talks about the smartest person Joe Biden knows, and that's Hunter Biden. You know what I thought was one of the funniest things that came out of that totally corrupt Department of Justice ridiculous plea agreement that got shot down was the judge told Hunter Biden, hey, one of the stipulations is go find yourself a job, son. Does it not count the selling art? He's an art dealer. He's an artist extraordinaire. <laughs> oh, my God. Mary, job. 
Get a job. Get a job. Sell your art to donors. That's the way we can funnel money. That's the way I look at it. But I'm cynical, Mary Catherine. I think it's fair to be cynical on this one. I mean, the person who's put over a million dollars and is a giant Democrat donor into Hunter's paintings has been at the White House more than 10 times and has had specific meetings with high level advisors like Neera Tandon. I don't I, I don't know. I'm not saying that being a Clinton alum might make you uh, susceptible to doing these kind of dirty, uh, dirty arrangements. But, uh, you know, it ups the probability. That song, Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap, that doesn't apply to the Bidens. It's Dirty Deeds. You got to pay, baby. You got to pay. No, it's very, very expensive for very low-quality product. I mean, you're talking about Hunter Biden's expertise and artistry? I don't know, man. It's a, it's a no for me. She is the host of Getting Hammered. All right. I'm going to let you go with this because this is awesome. Uh, journalists are now at the forefront of... Well, I don't know whether the right word is promoting, enhancing, dominating, you name it, censorship. Yeah. They're doing it all to censor us, and this is journalists. No, it's a real thing. The journalism industry has decided that it's going to side with the idea of government censorship, whether it's Nina Jankovitz, who was running that, I don't remember the technical name of it, but the Ministry of Truth, uh, and working with intelligence agencies, to and social media companies to tell them what they were wrong about. Now, of course, they're like, no, 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 we were only doing that to to uh, foreign conversations, except that's never true. That's never true. It always applies to Americans. And I think journalists have gotten themselves into a into a spiral about misinformation and disinformation. And because they come from elite elite universities to a great degree that do not any longer teach why free speech is important. They think, great, someone should be here to referee the misinformation and disinformation. We'll do it, but also the the government should do it. That's good. They actually think that. And you can see that because on July 4th, when this uh, federal judge judge's decision came down about the Missouri versus these social media companies where uh, they're saying, look, you can't have social media companies jawbone, which is the term for uh, bullying Americans into not speaking on behalf of the government. That just subverts the First Amendment. You're not allowed to do that as the government. When this decision comes down, journalists are like, oh my gosh, this could be really bad. It could be really bad for these Americans to say whatever they want to say. In fact, I'm going to read a couple of things. The Washington Post sighed about it. The ruling could, quote, undo years of efforts to enhance coordination between the government and social media companies. And they scare quoted protected speech, of course. Um, and they refer to all this bullying as coordination and communication, which is convenient. The New York Times bemoaned it, calling it the potential to up upend decades of legal norms that have governed speech online. Yeah, that's good. We want to disrupt those decisions and all of those connections. Uh, because in fact, it turns out, and I think we saw this often during COVID, Misinformation and disinformation, conspiracy theories even, suddenly just become true. And if you aren't allowed to talk about those things, you will not be able to figure out what is true and correct. And so uh, I think journalists, here's the key. The reason they're behind this is A, a lack of education on free speech. There's a new generation of journalists who does not agree with the idea that widespread debate, that raucous debate uh, is a good for this country. Uh, and two, 
they know the refs are on their side. They're happy to give that power to government because they are completely secure in the idea that the intelligence agencies, that the White House, that Nina Jankowicz or whoever they hire is going to be shutting down the correct people, the icky people, the bad views. And those just happen to be like mine. I'm When I started working here, I got called by the Indianapolis Star. I'm going to work for a right-wing conspiracy theory website. And I started mm-hmm. looking at it. I'm like, all right, let me look at this. To yeah. your point, everything that OutKick and Clay was talking about turned out to be true. It did, right, to like your the, point. The, con- it- the conspiracy theory that, I don't know, like that Hillary Clinton funded uh, a disinformation oppo piece that got handed off to all of media and the entire intelligence agency and was like informed by an actual Russian disinformation purveyor uh, and that that turned into four years of coverage of Trump somehow being a Russian. Is that a conspiracy theory? Is it a conspiracy theory that like, yes, we should consider the lab leak theory? Oh no. Is it a conspiracy theory that perhaps these mRNA vaccines might not be as effective as you guys have said? Nope. That wasn't a conspiracy theory either. Like they, they just keep coming true. Oh, was it a conspiracy theory that Hunter Biden's laptop was real? No, no, that was real too. Like, and then and then his plea deal is yet another one where it just gets worse and worse. It gets it gets worse than I thought it was when I was formulating the conspiracy theory that then became true. Like my conspiracy theory wasn't even good enough. Um, I'll give you another one, and this this is and, and it's really not being reported. It was a conspiracy theory that the Department of Justice plea deal with Hunter Biden was a crock of shit, excuse my language, complete garbage, uh, totally illegal, totally ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, a judge says, wait a second, this plea deal is so ridiculous, we're letting him off of crimes going back to 2012. Another conspiracy, quote, conspiracy theory that became so true that the Department of Justice looks like complete idiots, but I've not seen that part of the story told. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, you... In fact, it's worse even than we imagined it was because it turns out there was baked in stuff that possibly gave him immunity for all future crimes, which is that's quite a deal. I I think a lot of people would like that deal. Um, And the press and his allies would look at you and say, I do not know why it's so hard for you guys to understand that the smartest person that Joe Biden knows is an artist extraordinaire, an expert in Chinese and Romanian economic development. Um, an expert in Ukrainian energy, um, and that, look, his towering genius is very, is a burden to him, and any crimes that he commits while laboring under this towering genius must be absolved. Like, I don't know why that's so hard for you guys to understand. That's the argument from the left, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I can't take that argument. I can't do it. There are two things that I loved this past week, and I, I'm sure you saw both. One was the judge's reaction. And the other was our friend Emma Jo Morris in front of Congress, literally laughing at some of the nonsense that was thrown her way. Uh Oh, those were two funny things to me. I'm sorry. Did I lose you? I I couldn't hear uh, her clip, but I will chat with you about it if you brief me. (laughs) 
Well, she basically was talking about the Biden thing, and she just started laughing. She's like, yeah, and they ridiculously said that this reporting that we sourced through was fought. She just started laughing at him, and, and right. I just, I thought it was great. I mean, I just, I, that's, my, that's my kind of thing. If it's so ridiculous, and let me go to something. The Washington Post went from the entity that exposed Watergate to an entity now that is in bed with this with you can make the argument that what Biden has done is worse than Watergate. At least Clay makes that argument. And I listen to Clay. Well, I was talking to I actually I did a, a podcast with the New York Times. You can tell me how canceled I get over that. But I was talking to uh, someone at the New York Times about this and about distrust in institutions. And, you know, she's like a lot of this is we agreed a lot of this is earned. Right. Um, the problem for me is the public is very distrustful of the institutions, including the media. The media has an institution it's not distrustful of, and it's the government. As long as Democrats are in charge, it's not distrustful of that institution when that's its entire job, right? Like big entities, also like corporate entities, as long as they're powerful and corporate and lefty, they have no problem with that. They're like, I assume everything you guys are doing is fine. Well, it's not always, guys. And so... I would like the journalists to go back to having a little more distrust, not just of me and us and people who think like me, but of the people in charge of the institutions that are extremely powerful and can put you in jail. I would like them to look into those. You know, it, it's fascinating to me. I, have, I had a guy yesterday, a guy, I was playing golf with these two guys. They're businessmen. They're very successful dudes. And one of them watches the show and he's like, he looks at me, he goes, you know, the guests that you have on, including you, uh, you ever worry that the IRS is going to target you? And I'd start thinking about it. I, I didn't. Now I do. Do you? Uh, so I don't worry about it because stressing about something that hasn't happened yet doesn't make any sense. Um, but look, I will say, I will say this. I did not have IRS whistleblowers, IRS agents on my uh, thank you note list this year. And then they showed up and spoke up for equal protection under the law and not having two tiers of justice where Hunter Biden gets to do whatever he wants and fill out forms for his call girls and write them off as uh, tax write-offs. And the folks who spoke about that are taking a great risk. And they are saying, look, I have to speak out about this because Americans should know that the IRS doesn't treat people differently. And I got to say, surprised to be excited about an IRS agent. So they got that going for them. But I do think there is pretty substantial evidence at this point that all of the cultural, institutional, media signals, everything they're getting in the federal government is go after these people and not those people. That's a real thing. Yeah. And and that is a fundamental. It's fundamentally wrong in our country to do that. Like, you know, people always say, well, it's a third world country, blah, 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 blah. That's fundamentally against what our country is supposed to be about at its core. Right. And we're we're a historical anomaly. Right. This is part of the miracle of America is that it's very hard to pull off that kind of thing. It's very hard to create a cultural consistent consensus that everyone should be treated the same under the law. This is one of the genius moves of the founders. Right. Even though they had their flaws and it was not a perfectly realized union at that time and it left out huge numbers of people, we have been able to evolve to the idea that was written down that we should all have equal protection under the law. This is a this is a weird thing in humanity's history. Generally, it's given that, no, the, the big guy's enemies are treated badly and his friends are treated well. So we have a good situation. 
I would ask that the journalists not get involved in trashing the cultural consensus and the beauty of America that we have had going for us for many, many years. <laughs> and yet uh, they seem pretty intent on doing that. Do you think there's been any shift back away from what you're, we and I are talking about? Has there been any movement away or is the movement only getting stronger for journalists and censorship? I think it's getting stronger and here's why. Because the older generation in these newsrooms refuses to say, your concerns are noted, please go back to doing your job. That's the problem. <laughs> and if you're, if you're too cowardly, there was a piece in the free press this week about a, a guy, of course a lefty, he worked at a Seattle newspaper, okay? He writes a column about that Lenin statue they have in Seattle and he's uh, he's uh, critical of it because he thinks like you know authoritarianism and killing a bunch of people is bad, and so he, he writes a piece about that. There's so much backlash, and the backlash says, of course, the most uncharitable position ever, which is he's defending Hitler. Okay, of course he's not, right? His boss determines. I don't think you're defending Hitler. The column's fine. She fired him anyway. She fired him anyway because she's a coward. And she can't stand up to the mob. And she should have told the mob, hey, um, thanks for your thoughts. Appreciate you subscribing. Uh, he will not be fired for writing a column. But they can't do that. The cultural winds on the left are so strong. Uh, and they refuse to just go like, no, we're, we're still going to have conversations. I'm sorry. I know you came up out of like Columbia University and y'all don't do that anymore, but we're going to do it here. Uh, the New York Times is another perfect example when they ran the uh, the piece by uh, Senator Cotton during twenty summer of 2020 and their newsroom revolted. They fired the editor who allowed a U.S. senator to write an op ed, which is literally his job. Uh, they they ousted him. Uh, and it's because a bunch of people there just believe that the bad viewpoints should not be heard and the bad viewpoints are always right of center. You know, one thing I've learned, like I've been involved in, in some, you know, dust ups and I'm a bad guy. I think every morning before nine, I'm called a racist, a misogynist, transphobic and everything else. But one thing I have learned, and this is something that maybe the Seattle newsroom should have learned, is these things go away and we're on to the next thing in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And I, I call myself to be bolder about this, right, because I'm pretty careful online and in public life. Um, but sometimes I don't say when things are so crazy because I feel like, oh, there's going to be backlash for this, right? It's, it can be scary. It gets organized. But you're right. It does pass. And I think bosses of newsrooms need to understand that and they need to stand up for their staff and they need to stand up to their staff sometimes and say like, no, we're going to have grown up conversations because that's what this amounts to. We are not allowed to have grown up conversations that veer into like pretty mainstream right-leaning discussions, at least according to the young journalists at many of these papers. That is a bad way to do business. It just, it doesn't get the job done that you are called to do. And it's worse when you ask the government to do it for you. Like, come on. <laughs> What's on the podcast next? What's on getting hammered? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, we got to talk about Hunter Biden, of course. And I got a little rant on today's podcast on getting hammered about the Biden dogs because Oh. He is just failing these poor dogs left and right. Just, <laughs> y'all have all the money in the world. You could have Cesar Milan in the portico tomorrow. And these poor dogs are not getting the exercise and the training that they need. And you turn them into menaces. And then you're going to foist them off on some other family. And it's like, just train the dog. 
just be a responsible dog owner, but they can't do it. Last thing, uh, last, last thing. A friend of mine brought this up uh, the other day. He goes, who, I don't want to, since you mentioned Hunter Biden, who takes all these pictures of Hunter Biden in all these situations? Who's the, who's the photographer with a needle in his arm, a hooker on his arm? Who's taking these pictures? I mean, look, a lot of them are selfies, and this is uh, bad judgment. Oh. He clear he clearly has his inhibitions down, you know, when he's high and like little. Look, this this is like a this is a crash course for anyone watching who lives their life online or who posts a lot online. Like, just like this is what can happen. Like, just be careful what you're taking pictures of, guys, um, because it can all find the light of day. Again, I go back to the stupid stuff that I talk about on this show. We're educating people not to take a picture of yourself with a needle in your arm, a gun in your hand, and a hooker at your side. That has to be educated. The it world seems we like live one, in with seems Mary like 101. Yeah. It seems like. It, 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 it just does. Hey, thank you. Continued great work. Thank you so much for a few minutes today. Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. Go to the podcast, Getting Hammered, Mary Catherine Ham. You got to go. You do. She's awesome. I mean, she's going to tell it to you straight and in a very, very fun way. But I want to know, who is the videographer? I get it. He takes selfies. Hey, look, I got a needle in my arm. I'm all jacked up on crack, and Sally the hooker is here, and I got no shirt on. Hey, get a picture of this, will you please? Like, come on. Look, hey, I, I'm not an angel by any means. I'm not a disgusting, I've never been porn guy. I've never been that guy. But I got to ask, who's taking the pictures? Hey, what? What are we talking about? Hey, we got Joe Biden mumbling about the heat. Yeah. Who doesn't want to see? Look, our show should do a weekly montage of Joe Biden mumbling about something. Remember the other day, Hillary Clinton said it was MAGA Republicans' fault that we got a hot summer. So I told the MAGA Republicans, go down to the headquarters underneath the Greenbrier in West Virginia and turn the damn thermostat down. We got that kind of suck we do. That's right. We got that kind of power. Let's hear from Jolton Joe Biden. We got a little montage on Jolton Joe. also have a number of programs to do everything from uh, allow people to have the ability to get help to literally paint the roofs white, to uh, change their, the, their, their, w- w- their windows and doors to get tax credits for doing it so heat doesn't, so uh, air conditioning doesn't escape. We got a commitment to, you know, plant a billion trees over the next several years worldwide. I mean, there's a reason why. Anyway, you guys get it. And, uh, but we got to get through this crisis in the, in the near term. For example, the idea that uh, you can't have mandatory water breaks when you're working on a construction. Hell, when I played football, if, if, if you had a coach who during the spring, uh, during the summer practice, didn't provide water, you know, on a regular basis, he got in trouble, got fired. I mean, what are we doing here? What's going on with some of this stuff? You just make stuff up like, oh, you can't have a water break. I got a brother-in-law that's a construction worker. He's a uh, iron worker, and he's in a union. They get water breaks all the time. You just make stuff up. You're telling us that in Florida, well, you know, in Florida, they're teaching that it was good to be a slave. No, they're not. They're teaching what Frederick Douglass said. Now, here, water breaks. You guys get it. Nobody gets water breaks. 
When I played football, you didn't play football. You didn't play nothing. Jeez. Man, oh, man. It gives you a headache, doesn't it? I mean, all of this crapola just, you know what it does? It gives me gas. Uh, it, it, it just does. We got some stock up and we got some stock down. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll give you a stock up. Allison Williams, but I digress. Donald Cerrone, Cerrone, he wants to beat the living crap out of Andrew Tate. And I ain't mad at him. The legendary UFC fighter basically told Andrew Tate, look, you're a fraud. You're a woman trafficker. Get out of my face. Here's my face. Get out of my face, you dirtbag. He basically, not basically, he said that. He went off. We showed it the other day. He went off on Tate, so stock up to you. I'm all good. Hey, can we play the Robert Sala in a second here? Coaches beef in the NFL. Here's what we need more of. We need more beef. Where's the NFL beef, that old lady Mrs. Peller used to say back in the day? We got beef in the NFL. We got Sean Payton talking about Nathaniel Hackett. We got Robert Sala in the middle of it. Hackett did the worst job Sean Payton's ever heard of, ever seen. Peyton is now with Hackett's old team, the Denver Broncos. Robert Sala, he ain't having it. And he speaks a bunch of Biden-esque gibberish, but I'm here for the beef. Let's hear from Robert Sala. Can we cue that bad boy up? Um, well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. Is he, you know, he's been in the league a while. He can say whatever the hell he wants. But, uh, but as far as, you know, what we have going on here, it's, um, you know, the... I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. You know, it's uh, obviously we're doing something right. If you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four, and I'm good with it. You know, but uh, you know the guys in our locker room—they've they, earned everything that's coming to them. Um, um, and really excited about what's going on. I think Hackett's doing a phenomenal job here. Him, the uh, coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job, and and we're focused on us. I get it. There's a lot of external noise. There's a lot of people who are hating on us. There's a lot of people looking for us to fail. There's a lot of crows pecking at our neck. Uh, but all you can do is spread your wings, keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe. It's a whole other analogy I'll get into later. But, uh, but really, really, really excited about the group we have, the coaching that's going on. And, uh, um, but I'm going to keep our focus on us and making sure that we're prepared every single day to do the best we can and uh, learn from our past and grow with, grow with every, every moment that we have. Every moment I'm growing. That's right. Every moment I sit in this chair, my ass is getting fatter. I'm growing, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Hey, look, I love a good beef. I do. I think I think coaches' beefs are fun. Hey, UFO whistleblowers, we talked about Nancy Mace yesterday, uh, or the earlier today, saying yesterday that she wanted to, you know, with her fiance a little bit later, and he's trying to get her in the morning, and she's going to a prayer breakfast. But yesterday, let's play the Nancy Mace uh, clip where Nancy Mace asked a UFO whistleblower. Now, you got to understand something about UFO whistleblowers. If you paid attention, and the lovely Lee Ross, LLRD, the lovely Lee Ross Dockage believes UFOs are among us. She always have, she always will. She believes zombies will be among us soon, and I feel like that's happening more now than ever as the fentanyl epidemic continues under the Biden administration. But yesterday, Nancy Mace, our newest favorite, asked a UFO whistleblower a couple questions. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? 
as I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. We got non-human biologics. We got all kinds of sightings of various things. This isn't all in Roswell, New Mexico, which why Roswell, New Mexico is the site of all of this. You got you to gotta watch a, uh, a documentary on it. But yeah. UFOs, I tell you what, UFOs can be anything, right? By nature, by definition, the word is unidentified flying objects. So if you're flying something that we can't tell what it is, it's a UFO. So don't get too shot in the ass about the term UFO. But all of a sudden, whistleblowers are coming out, and I guarantee you the government doesn't want it because every president ever is sworn to secrecy, the one thing they will not discuss in their presidency is any of the documentation of UFOs. Don't at me about it, people. I hey, Look, don't shoot the messenger. Don't do it. Uh, stock down, Jim Harbaugh. Now, look, although Jim Harbaugh made a move back with me today where he said, hey, I'm not ashamed. I did what I did. It'll all come out. Let's go. I can't talk about it right now because it's an ongoing investigation. But I don't care. What are you talking about? I'm ready to rock and roll. Leave me alone. But I don't like cheats. And then I don't like cheats that when they're asked about it, they lie. And then I don't like guys that hire cyber, cyber criminals. And then, then Shemmy Schembechler, the whole thing, calling yourself Shemmy your whole life is just icky. And I don't like that you're two and five. And I don't like that you're one and six in bowl games. So stock down to you. Although, you did make a nice move. Uh, you did. You made, you, you made a nice move by not apologizing. Never apologize, Jimmy. The Pac-12, the Conference of Champions. We have champions here. The greatest conference in the history of the world. You know what that is? That's my Bill Walton imitation. I'm sorry. All right. Don't at me about it. I didn't say I was Rich Little for crying out loud, but I, get, I took a swing on national TV. What can I tell you? I'm here every day. Sometimes... As a friend of mine told another friend of mine when asked about his penis, who are you going to please with that? He looked at my friend and said, myself. Sometimes you must please yourself. So that's why occasionally, occasionally I do imitations. But now the Pac-12 can't find a media deal. The Pac-12 cannot keep its newest star member, which let's be honest, Colorado is the newest star member because they have the newest star. They have the biggest star in the league. No, it is not Caleb Williams. It is Deion Sanders. And as soon as Deion Sanders got there and Colorado got a little juice to it, guess what? They skedaddled. Where'd they skedaddle? Back home to the Big 12. Pac-12 is in trouble. You got to get the TV money, baby. The Pac-12 network has been a colossal train wreck. It is not distributed. Nobody can see it. The TV deals for other leagues have dried up. We'll see what ends up happening. But right now, woo, you got a problem. Uh, Requana Williams. Man, Requana Williams. Look at this dude, er, woman. She went all freaking Tyson on apparently her wife. And this ain't the first time. I'll tell you what Requana does. Requana whooped that ass. Yeah, she will. Requana ain't messing around. Well, Quan is a whole lot of mean looking. I saw a picture of her yesterday, man. She's built like hell. She'll whoop you, and she whooped her wife. Now, she'll be back in. Look at that. Uh-huh. And she's strong, too. 
She took her wife and gave her a beatdown like you've never seen before, and her wife said, wait a second, you can't be doing this. We're married, baby. All Raquana was trying to do was become a professional athlete, get him skid herself in the nudes, get herself involved. Hey, Marshawn Lynch gets wrecked up, then gets in a wreck, and he's on all these commercials. Snoop Dogg's a damn sex trafficker, and he's in every commercial that you see. I mean, what the hell, Raquana? You go, girl. I don't know, but I got to give you a stock down. But man, that's a badass-looking woman. I wouldn't mess with Raquana. We'll be right back. Oh, we got a great last half hour. If you're in the great state of Indiana, then you are experiencing the storms that we're getting right now. Be careful out there. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. It went, honest to God, here in the great city of Indianapolis, it went from bright sun muggy to, I'm telling you, it looks like midnight outside. The storms are a-brewing. You, my friends, if you got to go somewhere in and around central Indiana, make sure you do yourself a favor and take caution. I don't know what that really means. Like, I got to drive up to Michigan. Uh, We got a funeral this week for the great Sandy Ross. We got a service. But take caution. Honest to God, man, there's some nasty stuff flowing out there. Seriously. There is some nasty, nasty stuff. Hey, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, he of the Super Bowl, he of getting injured, he calls trade rumors flattering. He says, hey, it's nice to be loved. It's nice to be wanted. It's nice that at his ripe old age, people still want him around. All right. Well, I'm with you, Matthew Stafford. I like Matthew Stafford's wife. Matthew Stafford, when he didn't help that lady that fell off the scaffolding, has an evilness to his brain that I can't get down with. You know what one I'm talking about. This goes way back. Uh, but you know what? At the end of the day, Matthew Stafford seems like an okay dude, and he's flattered. I would love to have him on my team. I remember years ago when he came here to Indy, man, he slung the caca. I mean, he slung Andrew Lux on the other side, and I'm watching Stafford. I remember talking to the great Rick Venturi, and I'm like, yo, Rick, this dude can throw the pelota. He's like, yeah, he's probably not the best arm in the NFL, and he wasn't wrong. Uh-oh. The dog is barking. That means animals are out. It's insanity going on. I don't know what to do. Hey, do me a favor. Let the dog out, will you, please? That's why you watch this show. Put the dog out in a damn storm, damn it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Jalen Brown just made $300 million. Jalen Brown is the highest paid player in the history of the NFL, the NBA. There have been some good players in the NBA. There really have. There have been some guys that have made the NBA a lot of money. There have been some guys that have elevated the NBA. 1979-1980, when Magic Johnson and Larry Bird came in, the NBA Finals were on tape delay. True story. I remember not trying to see the score because I was going to watch it later at my girlfriend Diane Laverde's house. And we did. There might be naked pictures of all of us jumping in her pool naked, but I digress. We were juniors in high school. What did we know? She had an older sister who was a senior. Everybody was there. We had a good time. But anyway, and that was the night I got pulled over by a cop who put a gun to my head. True story. He did. A drunk cop on a dark road. I was trying to get home, and he put a gun to my head. But I digress. 
Uh, now that he's got an extra $300 million, Jalen Brown is like, yo, there's a wealth discrepancy in Boston. Well, of course there is. I'm not mad at Jalen Brown for talking about it. I'm not mad. He was at an MIT kids camp. Jalen Brown is a really smart dude. Jalen Brown went to Cal legitimately. He didn't go to Cal as an athlete. He went to Cal legitimate. He could have gotten into Cal regardless of whether he played basketball. He was that kind of smart. Well, Jalen Brown talking about the discrepancy in wealth in Boston is real, and I'm glad he did it. I hope he continues to do it. It's a little weird that a guy's going to make $60 million. He can't complain about the wealth discrepancy, but he certainly can share the wealth, uh, develop businesses maybe that elevate people of lower income, and maybe he can help it out. I ain't mad at him, but he did say something that's ridiculous. He did say, well, no one's talking about it. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. People are talking about the wealth discrepancy in this country. They are. Just stop. Everybody wants to say, well, nobody's ever talking about Yes, they are. No one's ever talking about equality. Yes, they are. No one's ever talking about equity. Yes, they are, because I want to be a running back in the NFL, and they don't have any white guy. So I want to be it. I do. I'm sorry. I just want to be an NFL. I want to be Blake Ezor. Look him up. If you don't know who Blake Ezor is, then ladies and gentlemen, you have never, ever, ever watched Indiana football. Uh, There is a guy named Mike Valenti. Mike Valenti is an idiot. Mike Valenti is one of these shock jock hosts. Like, I get called a shock jock, and and it's stupid because I'm clearly not. But Mike Mike Valenti... And full disclosure, he's always been on my ass because he's a Michigan State homer, and I mean to Sparty, blah, 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 blah. He's a nondescript dirtbag that works for a radio station in Detroit. Now, he's another one of these nondescript dirtbags that would never question Jim Harbaugh because like most media in the great state of Michigan, which I'm headed to, he is in pocket. But Mike Valente, well, let's go to the video. Let's show a little bit of this idiot Mike Valente. Now, if one of my players, yeah, I threw them a- say Jacob, after this year, All-American, that's his coach, I got to go explore what I can get in free agency. Great, Jacob. Go ahead Mike Valente, that's not portal. Mike Valente. Fair game. Like, yeah, recruit him, pay him, do whatever you can. That's Trent Dilfer. Mike Valente, well, it actually flowed when I asked when, when the out rundown came because we were talking about Harbaugh not being ashamed of his recruiting. And now Mike Valente has, what's that? Very troubling messages. He has a very troubling message for Sparty fans. Let's see if we got the right one. Sparty fans preparing for a football game or a war? Michigan and Michigan State will be 7.30 on NBC. Here's the PSA I would offer. And it's not hyperbole. I'm being real with you. Because people are nuts, and I don't condone what all people do, but I'm just telling you. Friendly advice if you're a Michigan fan, don't be there. Don't be there. Don't bring the women and children. Don't be there. Don't show up in your egregious, butter-themed T-shirt garb. Okay, yeah, don't be there because Sparty fans are jackasses. And he's right. Oh, they're the worst. One showed up at my daughter's work. True story. One said he was coming to my house to take a dump. We were ready. Absolutely ready. They screamed 12,000 of them. We hate Dockage. Hey, and I did got no apology from the president or, of course, from 
the athletic director, and we all know the other stories about Michigan State. It's the worst. So Michigan State fans, according to Mike Valente, who never played, never coached, never has done anything other than talk. I mean, he talks. Big deal. Don't show up. Michigan fans will show up. Michigan fans will be in their butter, whatever you call it. But it's just another guy in pocket of Michigan State. I've said this forever. Guys like Mike Valente and the media of Michigan State, and this is true. This came from the people involved. They were so in pocket with Michigan State They did nothing about Larry Nassar. None of these people that have covered Michigan State did nothing about Larry Nassar. So what did the poor gymnasts of Michigan State have to do? They had to go to Maria Kwiatkowski, Tim Evans, Mark Alicia of the Indy Star back when the Indy Star was right. Nobody worse than Michigan State fans. Nobody worse than Michigan State media. Uh, I do want to do this. Mike Tirico feared that China, when he was covering the Olympics, would plan a positive test, a positive COVID test on him after mentioning China's alleged human rights violations. How about that? That's interesting. Mike, who is a great dude, not a kind of great dude, a great dude. Mike really isn't afraid of anything. Mike isn't a guy that says, well, this is what I think could possibly happen. He's just not that guy. Mike and I worked together for five years, I think it was, and we would have dinner together Monday nights with our crew, who was a great crew, uh, and then Tuesdays we would do a Big Ten game. Mike's not that guy. So for Mike to talk about this means that there were real fears, and I mean real fears from Mike, that, you know what? China isn't above planting fake stuff on journalists. We all know that. We all know that China isn't above anything. When you kill your own people, when you enslave your own people, you ain't above nothing. And Mike's right. Once you mention it, now you become a target. And I got to tell you, of all the people you want to target, I don't think being in China, talking about China, is where you want to go. But good for Mike for talking about it. Really, seriously. Mike's just not that guy. Like, if Mike talks about it, it was serious. Mike's just, Mike does not do interviews where he throws out stuff. Mike's a serious dude. Mike's a good dude. No, a great dude. Man, there you go. I tell you about good dudes. Our friend Haley. It's always a ray of sunshine. Haley, it is raining like crazy. There are thunder going off. My dog is barking. I've got my daughter and her friends here. They want to go out on the boat. They want to go to the pool. But I don't know if we're going to have a damn tornado here. But it's so nice to see you. You have brightened up central Indiana. It clears up for your daughter and Hmm. her friends and for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, whatever. All right. What do you got? Give me something. Give me something you're concerned about before we get into these TikToks. You got anything on your mind? Uh, You know what's been on my mind, honestly, is this whole controversy over Congresswoman Nancy Mace and her inappropriate comments that she made before a prayer breakfast. I have to say it's a very non-Christian thing to do to judge other people. Um, And while I completely disagree with how she handled herself. I think she kind of 
tried telling this story. And then I feel like she knew in the moment that she made a mistake and she was already halfway through the story. So she kind of like kept going. Um, I don't think she really meant to kind of divulge her personal business in that manner or at least to that audience. So I completely think that it's inappropriate that she made those comments to a prayer breakfast. You have to know your audience. She even said TMI and it's like, okay, if you knew that, then why do you do that? Um, But I have to say the response that I've seen on social media and Twitter, there's a lot of hatred um, coming at her. And I just feel like that's not a very Christian thing to do. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a Christian who hasn't sinned or done something wrong. So any of these people who are coming for Nancy Mace, um, I assume that you have followed in the footsteps of Jesus. You've never made a mistake ever in your life. If you, if that is not true, then I would just let God do the judging. I am so with you. Nancy Mace became one of my favorite people. We showed earlier, two days ago, Nancy Mace was interrogating a UFO whistleblower, and the next day she's talking about having to reject the sex at 7 o'clock in the morning, although you could tell she wasn't, like, it wasn't out of the question. Like, it was like, I don't want to be gross here, but she didn't. She said it in such a way. I think she said at the end, oh, there'll be enough time for that after the after the breakfast or later on the day. So I got right. kind of a kick out of her. She's a versatile woman. She can talk UFOs and then she can tell too much information. I think people need to get the stick out of their ass and not be so upset about it. People are human. And I think a lot of times we expect the most and we expect the absolute best and perfection out of not only politicians, but um, celebrities and other Hollywood stars. And I think everyone just needs to remember that everybody poops and everybody makes mistakes. And I don't know. I just try to think about that. And I, if I was in public office, I would probably, I, I mean, never say never, but I really don't think that I would ever do that. I wouldn't want every little thing I've ever done to get out there or to be criticized and scrutinized. So I'm trying to give people grace. I feel like that's, Um, the better path to take. And I feel like a lot of people who are getting angry at her are probably just jealous. Yeah. I mean, look, people get angry, I'm sure, at you for nothing or at me for nothing. I mean, it's not a morning if I don't wake up to somebody calling me uh, either the dumbest human being alive, a racist, a misogynist, a transphobe. I mean, it's not a day. You know, so uh, you just go, okay, look, I get it. People can be judgmental. You can go with right or wrong, but I I just didn't think it was that big a deal. I didn't. And I, and I admire the fact that she, I don't know, was human enough to, I guess, screw up. No, I I admire the fact that she was human enough to tell that story, I guess is what I, I just don't get too bent out of shape. I get bent out of shape about lying. I don't get bent out of shape about somebody Telling a story. I, I don't know. I don't get exactly. bent out of shape about Barbie either. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but Barbie's a freaking movie. It- I actually, I saw Barbie last night and I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I laughed out loud multiple times. I think anyone who's outraged over this movie really has to get over themselves. It was a feel good movie. Um, the Barbie movie, Newsflash, is not for men. It's not for men. Men can go and enjoy it, 
But like, obviously men aren't going to come back from that movie and be like, wow, that was, you know, that was off. That was amazing. That was the best movie I've ever seen. Go see Mission Impossible. Go see Oppenheimer and let the girls have Barbie. Get over it. I said this. Look. I was playing golf last week with a friend of mine. It was like 5 o'clock. I said, well, it's Friday. I go, what are you doing rest of the night? He goes, ah, oh, my 6-year-old and my 8-year-old daughters are all dressed up, and we're having a Barbie party uh, with a couple other dads and the girls, and then we're all going to the Barbie movie. And I'm like, yeah. God, I wish my daughter was still that age. One of my greatest memories is taking – you met my daughter. My daughter and her friends – I was the dad that took them all to the Justin Bieber movie and to watch their faces and they're crying and they're happy and they're dancing and they're singing is one of the great nights of my particular life. So get over it. It's a freaking movie that little girls love. Exactly. And honestly, the movie's PG-13 anyway. So any little girls who see this movie, their parents are obviously taking them there. They're going to be there with them to answer any questions that they have. But honestly, it was really well done. It really wasn't, there was nothing. I'm as conservative as they come. I was not clutching my pearls over the Barbie movie. Men will get over it. It, it, it was just a feel good movie. Thank God you said that. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Honest to God. Like, but geez. I mean, I will say, I'll tell you this. Go ahead. Well, I was, oh, you go ahead first. Cause mine's about the next thing. Well, here's what, I, here's what I would say about it. The purpose of a movie, not a documentary, not a real-life crime thing, the purpose of a movie is to entertain and put asses in the seats. Oppenheimer's doing it one way, and Barbie's doing it the other way. A hundred percent. If anything, Barbie is the epitome of marketing genius. Every single company out there is coming out with a Barbie line. They're coming out with something pink. They have really done an amazing job marketing this movie. And the point, as you said, is to get butts in seats. They have done that. They have done that tenfold. They're making money. Great. I mean, the entire movie is product placement for Mattel. It was smart. It was smart. They completely were able to address the criticisms that their company has had, address the criticisms that Barbie's had. Yes, obviously women look up to Barbie and Barbie can be and do anything, but at the same time, women see Barbie as this unattainable beauty standard. Fine, they addressed all of that in the movie in a lighthearted way, and if you're pissed off, get over it. Conservatives can be snowflakes too, I guess. No question about (laughs) that. Give it to me, what do we got? What are we doing? All right, the first video that I have for you, it's it's a little sad because it breaks my heart as one of the uh, conservatives on TikTok. Um, the DNC is on TikTok and they are crushing it. Um, no pun intended, but I'll, I'll show you this video and then I'll explain it because you're likely not going to get it when you see it. <laughs> Okay. Walk me through this. Allow me to explain. So there's a TikTok account where someone films themselves throwing glass bottles down the stairs. And for whatever reason, they're going viral. People think it's fun to watch. I guess people watch and they guess, you know, is the wine bottle going to break first or how is it going to break? It's interesting to see how different alcohols um, explode and whatnot. So 
That's going viral on TikTok. I guess people find it satisfying. What the DNC has done has stitched that video or duetted that video with obviously the faces of GOP presidential candidates. And the way that these bottles crash and burn is, I guess, indicative of how the DNC thinks that candidate's campaign is going. Well, here are just, I took down some of the comments from the peanut gallery. Whatever Washington intern is making these deserves a raise that had 20,000 likes. You guys are scared to put, put Vivek up there. This account is so funny. This is such a goaded post. People think that this is funny. And you might not think it's funny. I don't really think it's that funny. But this is the DNC absolutely having a stranglehold on Gen Z and younger voters. They are appealing to their weird humor. Um, and it's working. So it pisses me off because there are certain conservatives on TikTok who, listen, I hate China as much as the next guy. I'm America first. But getting everyone off of TikTok and silencing 150 Americans doesn't make us any safer against China. China's still a threat. Um, there are a lot of issues. I feel like, you know, Facebook and Meta and Twitter, I mean, all of these companies are just as bad. They take your data. They censor you. So I think a lot of this TikTok outrage comes from meta lobbyists who are telling our congressmen, uh, congressmen and congresswomen what to think and say. Um, so my view on this is you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And while conservatives <laughs> sit back and they refuse to play the game, they are behind the eight ball on trends and the Democrats are ahead of the game every single time. So. You can look at this video I'm and think, this is stupid, this isn't funny. I agree, but I'm pointing out this very obvious fact that conservatives are not up with trends, current trends, and the Democrats are using it to their advantage. We are going to lose out if we don't start. I agree. I agree. It, it, uh, you, you, well said. Very, very well said. I mean, I got nothing to add, but you're 1,010% right if there's some such thing as 1,010%. Look, hey, look, don't worry about old guys like me. I'm going to vote for you. Seriously. Exactly. I mean, I, yeah. Exactly. No, I, and, I get All right, what else you got today? Huh? One last thing. Conservatives will go ahead and they'll make their own version of Twitter, you know, the parlors and the truth socials of the world, the getters, whatever. You're in your own echo chamber. You're not reaching anyone else with your viewpoints. So the TikTok algorithm will push your videos out to people who not only follow you, but other people who might not follow you. And then the second that people start fighting in your comment section, that drives it up the algorithm. And then again, more people see your, your viewpoints. So the more conservatives that are on TikTok, the more we break through this conservative echo chamber where people are just like chit-chatting and you know, they hear what they want to hear instead of reaching those voters who maybe they are a Democrat and they hate Biden and they didn't even know about some of these other GOP candidates. So anyway, I think that this is my plea to get, um, you know, some more conservatives on TikTok, but also for the GOP candidates to not ban it because there is some good on there. Absolutely. You got anything else for me? Yeah, we got some fun videos for you. So let's let's roll those. Let's see. My name's Cooper, and I'm a boy. I'm a boy, and my name's Cooper. I'm Cooper, and I'm a straight white boy. 
I'm a white straight boy Cooper. Cooper the straight white boy. I'm a white straight boy named Cooper. Cooper is my name. I'm straight. I'm white. And I'm a boy. I identify as he. I'm a man. A boy. A white straight boy. And I believe in God. Kind of. There you go. He does it Parenting. 90 minutes a day. <laughs> All Parenting right. in 2023 and 2024 and beyond is probably going to look something like that. <laughs> no question about it. Good for him. What else? Women. W. What is women equal? Fellas, what is women equal? Time and money, right? Time times money. Okay. But what is time also? Time is money. Time is money. So money times money. What's in there with saying money times money? Money squared. Money squared. Money squared. So guys, women equals money squared. But what's the root of all your problems? Money. Money is the root of all your problems. So if money equals the square root of problems, which is P, how do you get rid of that square root? You gotta you gotta put it. <laughs> got to put it to the power of two, okay? But you've also got to put that to the power of two. So money squared equals problem. But what does money squared also equal? Women. Women <laughs> equals problem. Oh, jeez. That's pretty good. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> like, if you can't laugh at that, I got nothing for you out there. So what else? Give me one more. These are great. Those two are awesome. Do you want to see me dunk? Sure. Yeah? Okay. Are you guys ready? Am I old? Oh. <laughs> I'm okay. Jesus. Not so impressive, I guess. Uh, let's, let's go with number two. Who had number two? I think that was, I don't know. You, Dylan? Hold on, Nick's texting me. It was Nick. Nick won. <laughs> Look at Nick. Uh, you were number one, weren't you, Haley? I was number one, yeah. I knew that. Was Dylan <laughs> number three? Either Dylan or Ryan, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, thanks. I got to run. Where the I figured that was. I knew that was you, Dylan. Hey, uh, have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Have a great weekend, everybody. See ya.